it's lights out and away we go welcome to an american's guide to formula one now let's start the show Let's start the show indeed. Welcome to another episode of An American's Guide to Formula One. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis, and joined again here in the studio is Papa Tisaus. Oh, baby, he's a spicy ketchup. A.K.A. Tim Lewis, my father. Welcome. Hi. Hi. How I'm glad you? to see you. I'm so glad to have you here. Two, had, two episodes in a row in person. We had a, like, uh, it took a, I had to drive through a blizzard to get here. A blizzard in September. Yeah. Nice. Um, it was beautiful. The I colors were beautiful. Awesome. The snow was beautiful until it started slipping all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy to do this episode because, holy cow, what a Russian Grand Prix. Oh, baby, that was, I, I think I had a, I think that was a double diaper change for me. Toward the end, there. <laughs> I was losing oh. my mind, oh. and I, these are not typical for those of you who are not very familiar with the Russian Grand Prix. It's usually of the last couple of years quite a snoozer race. Mm -hmm. uh, usually, the Mercs are quite a ways ahead, um, and it, it, they did. W I mean, I mean, we we you should know that Hamilton won, yeah. but barely. Um, and uh, well, I guess not barely. We'll get into it. We'll yeah. get. Let's just get into it. Let's go. We got a lot to talk about. Um, first and foremost is the very unusual, because boy, how exciting was qualifying as well. Um, the very unusual qualifying lineup that we had um, to get to 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 get us to the race. Um, just a. I'll just do the top ten to refresh everyone's memory. But we had. His very first pole position, Mr. Lando Norris. Lando. Um, then we had Carlos Sainz. Mr. Saturday himself, George Russell, on his uh, second row, first second row appearance. Then uh, Lewis Hamilton, Daniel Ricciardo, Fernando Alonso, Valtteri Botas, wah, wah, wah. Lance Stroll, Sergio Perez, and Esteban Ocon. Rounding out the top ten. And we got that way because the opposite and more typical wet weather scenario was happening during qualifying where we were in the wet running on intermediate tires and um, had and then was drying out in track developments, yeah. people switching to, to slick tires toward the end there. Yeah, boy. Um, and the, the big kerfuffle was Hamilton. Um, he was coming into the pits to switch to from inters to slicks and crashed into the barrier of what is, I guess, apparently a quite tight uh, pit lane entry. Um, but he still broke his front wing, which, and this was all very close to the end of Q3. Um, so they, the, the whole point with, with switching to keep from inters to slicks is you do need a several laps to, to put, to heat up the tires back mm -hmm. up, especially if there is still some damp portions of the track, you're going to lose a significant amount of tire temp. Um, and I don't really know. I mean, I guess the, the, the pace advantage was so significant that they had to at least attempt it, but I don't think they had enough times, even not crashing. Yeah. Um, but both, both the Mercs needed to pit for those enters and, they kind of had to wheel Hamilton's car out of the way, get Valtteri's tires on. They sent Valtteri. They wheeled Hamilton's car back. It was a mess. Yeah. Um, signs of the Merc cracks, cracks in the Merc well, dominance. I mean, well, gee whiz. I, I mean, this is the thing about weather is that it just, it changes so much. And it's so much timing uh with the how much moisture is on the track when do you change either to a, a wet tire or an intermediate tire or back to slicks or from slicks or it's it um it really adds a lot of excitement and seems to really level the playing field um 
because there is a certain amount. Well, there's probably a more significant amount of luck when you're talking about making those changes. When do you make the changes? And as we'll find out in the race. Well, we also just need to say congratulations again to Russell, Lando, and Science. I mean, that the w- it does seem that the weather, the wet weather particularly, favors the Williams. The Williams has done back at Spa. He got on, he got on second place. Mm-hmm. Norris was set to do really well and then mm-hmm. bend it going out of on Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I did hear something about how he said he did feel vindicated gaining pole because they thought he had the pace to get pole at Spa in similar conditions, albeit I think it was a bit more wet at Spa. But it was awesome to see him finally get that first pole position. Yeah. I was so yeah. stoked for him. Yeah. Um, Again, the, the young guys are coming up. It, I mean, if that's not them. a sign that they, that young that, the, that we're having a, a, a seeming changing of the guards yeah. here, I mean, the, the evidence is, is mounting. Yes. Um, but we'll, we'll come to that experience, the lack of experience. We have some raw talent. Mm-hmm. We have some, some young guns, some, some fresh blood in the sport, but we're seeing some, some wily experience really play um, into some, some interesting drama. And I, I don't know if let's, – let's go to that lap one. Speaking of experience, speaking of wily, mm. speaking of cunning, let's talk about Fernando – Fernando doing his little sneaky snakes. I don't know if you guys saw this, but thanks to Karun's eagle eye, Karun Chandoff on Sky Sports, if you watch on Sky Sports, um, he noticed that on a formation lap, a a lone driver took to the escape route on turn two and went through the bollards that that you were supposed to do. And then, to no one's surprise, I think, he did it in the race on the very next lap. (laughs) That's right. Um, He started... Um, based on his qualifying results in P P6, and then on the opening lap went all the way up to P4. But he did lose a position as well on the start because he had a not-so-great start. Um, And a lot of people are saying, well, that's not not fair, right? How How can he leave the track and gain an advantage. Well, according to the rules, me and Pops here were looking into this and all over the weekend, especially right before we started recording now, that he actually didn't break any rules. Correct. He is he was completely not only was he completely within the rules of that race and of the current Formula One FIA racing guidelines, he has it's almost as though he's done this as a protest a little bit too. Because back earlier in the season and during the two races at the Red Bull Ring, he posed serious, uh, he raised serious concern that drivers were gaining advantages on these opening laps. And he says, you guys got it, talking to the FIA, he says, you guys got to do something about this. This isn't fair. How how are they gaining that advantage, the opening laps? Well, they leave the track and then come back on and then get the slipstream coming down, but they weren't. Or you're just not – you look at what happened in Hungary. You're not – if you leave the track, you're not in that kerfuffle where the where you really get narrowed out. Yeah. That um, – But my, my thoughts were is that ver- um, exceeding track limits throughout the lap, not just one big leave across the chicane and then rejoining traffic. It's his beef is about. I think it's just he it's particularly opening laps because the FIA does watch track limits and exceeding if you exceed track limits throughout the race, you can get penalized or lose your you lose your laps. Yeah, you get like three warnings and, and then, then it's serious penalties. Yeah, but they don't enforce it. And but I but I mean, there's always been. Y- I mean, when you have 19 cars. Because the cars are never closer than in the opening lap. And so there has to be some leeway, and I agree with this, there needs to be some leeway on those opening laps because you just got to have somewhere for cars to go. Right. And and I think that's the point is that as long as you're not gaining an actual significant advantage, like you are in P6 
you leave the track and regain it in P4. That's gaining an advantage. We saw that in Monzo with Perez. Right. Is he? You cannot make an overtake off track, and this is where the premeditation is so cool with uh, Alonso, and that they were talking about this and you, and him practicing it in the formation lap is that um, he didn't gain any advantage off track. He left the track in P4 and rejoined the track in P4. P4. Yeah. But where he did gain an advantage is that he knew. So there's, there's, I'm going to start over. There's the outside and inside line of every corner. Usually the inside line is the better racing line. That's why everybody takes it and they talk about getting to the apex. Because by angles, because these cars are so wide and the angles you need, if you're taking the outside line, that that the room quickly goes away for the next what they call 2A because it's like it's basically a chicane. Right. And if you're on the outside, you can get pinced, pincered. Like what happened in the Hamilton Max thing at Monza, right. where if n- neither yield the position, you're you're crashing. Yeah. So it, so Alonso is avoiding all of that by going off the track. He, no one's there. It's open, and it and it creates a better angle to go through to a if he just has to go through these chicanes, which he found that he could do fancy. So the point is what they what he did was he kept a braking zone speed higher than would be allowed to make the turn. So which allowed him to get past Stroll, Hamilton and Ricardo on the opening. He just kept it buried yeah. in the floor. And so he gains to P4. He goes from P7 to P4 in the in the braking zone almost entirely, mm-hmm. moving to the outside line knowing he's never going to even try and make the turn. Leaves the track in B4, does all of the racing guidelines that Massey had, the, the racing instructions saying that anybody who cannot make turn two track limits or before the sausage curb starts is obliged to go through the barriers, which he did, Giovinazzi did, Gasly did, and Max did. They all didn't mm-hmm. make that turn, and he did it. He's just come out at a net gain is the only thing. Or not a net gain, but a, a net well, equal, equal. I think I think the idea here is that I always used to think that passing started because you could accelerate faster. But then as I got more into watching the races, there's a lot of passing that's done under braking. Because if you brake later, you're carrying higher speed. And if you can negotiate the corner at that, even though you will slow to, uh, to make the corner, mm. Leading up to that, you were faster than the guy ahead of you, and then you therefore can overtake under braking. And so that was the strategy of Alonso. He was going to, he was pedal to the metal well into the braking zone, broke broke late, knowing exactly he wouldn't make that corner, but he had the speed that he could carry through, and he had the speed to get from seventh to fourth. Mm -hmm. Then, knowing you don't have to make the turn, knowing that he. Whereas if they were enforcing it, you've heard you may have heard commentators say, "Oh, he outbraked himself on this." Right. Where they were trying to defend against somebody, so you can also subsequently force somebody to have an error, where they they're trying to keep you behind them and they don't break, so then they lock up or yeah. exceed track limits, so they have to yield the position to right. you. Right. He didn't have to do that basically, right? Because he did everything, and I think I started to talk about this and then got ahead of myself, but. What I was saying is back in Austria, he raised these concerns. The FIA ignored them. And then so in an interview, he said, okay, well, then I will have to be joining them. And he did. He said, I would be stupid not to take this obvious advantage, like in certain scenarios. That's the other thing is that this isn't always going to work. There isn't always going to be the, the complex or sequence of turns that allows this to actually work. Um, I can't think of any tracks off the top of my head, but if if he sets the precedent, they need it's 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 a brilliant thing for Alonso to right. have done because it he says, hey, there, here's a gap in your rules that you need to address, and they say, well, we don't 
or choosing not to address them. And then he says, okay, well, then I'm going to exploit them <laughs> and force <laughs> you to address them because the other thing you run the risk of is now he set the precedent that this is allowed because nothing can be really done about it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have a lot more cars maybe attempting this, which is going to cause probably a significant safety region. I don't know. My my point is it opens a can. It's of it's a great. It's <laughs> a, it's another reason why when uh, when Fernando Alonso was brought back when he came back to the sport, I was excited. Oh yeah, because he's always good for something. If he's <laughs> if he's not if he's not causing drama, which he loves to do, or or swapping helmets with people for his his helmet museum in Spain, or making brilliant overtakes, or doing a brilliant job defending. I mean, he's he's a two-time world champion. He's a 31, 30-some race winner. He's brilliant on opening laps. He, he, he points out these flaws. He makes for great radio. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I know he has his, his, his dramas in the past, but don't we all? And I think he's just been nothing but awesome to watch this season. Oh, yeah. And no I, doubt. I think, I'm hoping, because it would be awesome to see, um, but... I really think that Renault could be something again. Oh, yeah. Like, I well, think... Why not? I mean, Prost has been there consulting for a number of years, mm. and I, I think, you know, he has he has several wins under his belt as well. Well, that's where Fernando won. His it would be cool It would be cool to see somebody leave and come... As much as I want to see Norris get a world champion, Verstappen get a world champion, mm. all these Russell, these young guys, yeah. it is... It would be really cool to see somebody fall from grace and come back, back yeah. and bring a team that historically is not, has not, you know, was once great and has fallen, you know, like Schumacher did with Ferrari, right. like, like Hamilton did with Mercedes, mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I, and I would love to see the same thing happen with, you know, Ricardo and Norris at McLaren. You know, we have there's so many. That's what's so exciting about the future of this sport. And I think if you are joining us, you're what an era to join in. I mean, oh. like there's so much, so many great storylines, so much cool stuff that could be happening that we just don't know. But I just never remember where technology has played such a huge role in so many aspects of the race cars. So, get moving on mm -hmm. to let's come back to this race because that's what this episode is about is this race <laughs> oh <laughs> by the way ooh, um let's get straight into what we all want to talk about the last couple laps the battle for first and me just yelling at the computer wishing and willing and f hoping that that norris could keep it in yeah and um i just it, it was so cool to 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 see him lose the lead but gain it keep because he lost the lead on on I think lap lap six, signs signs right. passed him, yeah, um, and he didn't let that destroy him. Uh, he stayed focused, and then he got the lead back at thirteen, I believe, mm -hmm. and then and then really controlled the race. Yeah. He, he uh, I mean Hamilton was again. We're showing we're seeing that like if whoever can get out front can usually stay out front. Um, Hamilton was throwing everything he had at him oh. and, and really couldn't seem until the weather came, could not seem right. to get below that, that one and a half second. Like it seems like they just stall out at one and a half seconds, right. that that turbulent air is just too much to overcome unless you have, you know, unless it's a Williams or something that where there is a significant pace advantage, but we let's not forget that the Merck and the McLaren have the same engine in them. And so the the racing advantage that the Merck has and has had throughout the hybrid era is just it is the fastest car on the circuit down the straight until Red Bull and Honda kind of seemed to come up with something for that. But even then, they, this was still one of the Monza and this were the like were some of the the high speed um, courses where they they kind of knew that. Um, they weren't going to be in contention. And I guess we should yeah. have talked about that, that why, for those of you who didn't see, that why Max wasn't there was because he did, like we I we had thought he was going to do, he did take his new penalty, or, or new engine, mm -hmm. and to then take a penalty because he was already at a grid, grid spot deficit 
from this penalty from Monza and crashing with Lewis. Mm-hmm. So he started in the, in in the back. Um. But uh, so where was we? Where were we? Well, we're just talking about. I was wondering when you're going to break into that brilliant drive of Max. Well, Verstappen. I guess we can we can take a pause there. Yeah. That I they did also Merck did give Botas a new engine at this, so he started in the back. Mm-hmm. And there were some people saying that 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 was to to hold Max up on his charge to the field, which if that was the case, failed miserably. It, it didn't work <laughs> because. Boy, Matt. I mean, I I don't know why, but I am not the biggest Max fan. I can't I, I can't put my finger on it. Like he is amazing. I I can't fault him on being amazing. I mean, he seems so machine like. But uh, yeah, there's something some I can't I can't get behind him. Yeah. I don't know what it is about yeah. him that I'm not I'm not a fan. And if that pisses you off, I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. But points where points are given is what a drive. <laughs> I mean, he was carving it up. I forget what turn that was, but he was just passing everybody there. And, I mean, it was just like, oh, he can't make that. Oh, he made that. <laughs> like, uh, um, but so. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. And it, and, it, and it really, this was what was so cool is that usually you have the scenario like we saw in qualifying where the track is wet and then starts to dry out, and then you it's it's who's going to be brave and go on to slicks mm. first, like we saw in qualifying. But rarely do you get the inverse of that, where it's, okay, it's dry, but the rain's coming, and we need to make a decision now. I can think of very few times. I know there was, a re- I think it was 2007 or something, it was a spa race um, where it was wet, and they, they had to stay out because it's spa. You can't pit i mean it's four mile lap you know you can't mm. you can't so they were just slipper sliding all over the place who was that it was that doesn't matter right and that's what i thought we were going to see and i think what we w- what everybody wanted to see and i was so amazed at the number of cars that stayed on slicks in the wet and i just yeah. cannot imagine having to drive a car with that that is that light with that much power on slick tires in rain like, it, it just did really highlight that these are some, some the best drivers in the world. Yeah, it's a, I, I mean, you've never had to push the limits on tires because you couldn't afford to buy new tires when, like when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Back when I was a kid. And, but hi, hi, I tell you, aquaplaning is freaky. I mean, you just don't, you just, I mean, that's just you don't have control. Y- yeah. You're just on, you're on in for a ride. Yeah. And that I don't think is good. Um, but we, uh, so we're, we're, we're in, so that's what, that's where we were at is what do you do when you have to make that call? And I think that's all in all what, what cost Mercedes, Mercedes, or sorry, McLaren, McLaren the win. Yeah is that they didn't have what Mercedes had toward the closing laps of that race. And Norris, I don't know whether it wasn't his experience or their experience, but I know for a fact it was Max's call to come in on inters when he did. It was Alonzo's call to come in on inters when he did. Uh, I'm pretty sure Botas said it as well. Um, but you had a few drivers that were like, this is inters. I'm coming in right now. Get ready for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas with even Lewis and, and Max, maybe it was the, the fact that they didn't they had everything to lose being up front, but they were both reluctant. Obviously, we know Norris didn't come in because yeah. there's you know he, they said, "What do you think about no, about inters?" And he says, "No way, we're, we're we're committed to this," you know. And when Lewis came in, as soon as he was in the pits, he said, "What are we doing, guys? It's dry out there." And what they didn't have, what the drivers didn't have, is that radar screen in front of them where they saw that second cell of weather coming in from the sea. Um, and because it was, it, for a while there, it was just the seaside turns, turn five, six, something like that, right. that were wet. And if you, could, if you could keep it on the road during those few corners, the rest of the track was dry. And I think that's why Norris was like, we got to stay out. This is such a 
pace advantage. But I think also Mercedes had the hindsight of they of Botas pitted a lap before they brought Hamilton mm-hmm. in, and he had like seven seconds on that lap, like or even in that first sector, it was like three seconds faster than Hamilton despite was going. Despite being on Anders, despite being on Anders, mm-hmm. and there's like, and yeah, even though you had there, were, I think it was something like forty five seconds between uh, Norris and Hamilton and Sainz, who was in third, mm-hmm. like. If you're getting seven sec seven seconds a lap, you that's gonna vanish, you know. Right. And so they brought him in, but they were like, "It's he's like it's dry, like it was wet and it was dry." And they're like, "Yeah, but wet is coming again." And it was like, "Oh, okay." And you saw Hamilton was just taking three, four, five seconds out of. I mean, you just you couldn't. It, by the time they realized it was too late, there was nothing that could be done about it because Hamilton was just so much faster, Max was so much faster, Valtteri was so much faster. And he slid off the track, and the rest is history. Hamilton passed, and mm-hmm. and then he, I, I still don't think he came in on that lap that he slid off, and he went another lap. My impre- my impression was that he did, because the handwriting was on the wall. The problem is he couldn't control his pit entry. Yeah, but he still got in. But it was still too. But he. But he and this is where I mean. I mean, hindsight's hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. But with you have, because he ine- inevitably ended up seventh place. So not only did he lose his first win, but he lost the podium in this in a pretty significant battle for 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 McLaren. Definitely. And it's where you show the signs of of living in the moment versus seeing the bigger picture. And I think that's where McLaren should have failed. They just failed, and they said, even if we pit, we're still going to come out second. Guaranteed. Yeah. The worst that could happen is we're second. So we lose the win, but we save the podium. And, and a heck of a lot of points. And a heck of a lot of points. Constructors and drivers. And instead, they left that podium seat available to science. Mm-hmm. Their number one competitor. In Who was behind by 40? Well, I remember there was that one, there was that one radio where science was running in six or something after the pit channels and and he said, where are we in the race? And they said, we're looking at a top five finish. And he said, that's it? At what, at lap, lap six, I was, winni- I, was, I was winning this race. Yeah. How are we down in fifth, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen that where the, the, the Ferrari is great over a lap, but they still haven't figured out their race craft yet or their race pace or tire days or whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. there was also several instances where Leclerc was just nowhere as well. And... Mm-hmm. But they ended up getting on the podium because of Norris as well. They inherited that yeah. third. That he inherited that third. But the other question that I want to ask: Do you think that Norris would have won if the rain wouldn't have come? Well, I'm trying to remember what the tire situation was. He he had he had he, he was on fresher tires. He was than on Hamilton. fresher than Lewis. Well, I think you'd have to say, yeah, he I would have. I, 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 I was w- certainly I, hoping so. <laughs> I, I mean, as, as dramatic as the rain was and how cool it was yeah. to see that, I really wanted I wanted to see them fight it out. And I don't think he would have either. I think he has enough experience to, to say seconds better than nothing. And I think everybody's seeing that with the, with the, with the fight for the world championship as close as it is. That neither Max, unless it's against each other, where they can crash each other out, mm-hmm. and it's a net positive for them. Yeah. Neither of them can. Well, except Max was making some pretty ballsy moves throughout that whole race, so maybe he's still so young. And he, like I said in the pre, I think a previous podcast, one of Max' strengths and weaknesses is that he only is racing each corner. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's yet developed the Hamilton hindsight or Hamilton championship site where it's like no I, we need to gate the points um, yeah. because you see a very different I'm seeing at least a very different Hamilton than in previous years because the battle is so close oh yeah and, it, and he just there well, it's there's two points right now yeah. th- that separate him and Max right now in the, in the world championship there's two points. 
six races left in the season. There's two points. I was looking in some of the social media stuff that um, at this point last season, it was like the, the next closest person was Botas, and it was like 40 points away. Yeah, it was. I mean, he just dominated. And so you can take more risks. You can be more ballsy. But in that situation, I think he would have just taken the P2. Um, but, and I mean, as much as it was awesome to see Lewis get his 100th win, we're going to come on to that because mm-hmm. that does deserve some talking about. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen Norris get his, his first. I w- he, he's yeah. This has got to be the season where he gets it. He's been so close so many times. Mm-hmm. I really want to see him, and he is really putting that car in places it doesn't belong or does belong, maybe, because I didn't think, you know, we everybody thought Mercedes, you know, it was a fluke at, at uh, Monza to see that one, too, but then to see Norris on pole, I was stoked. I was really stoked. Mm. Um, But he does get the win, but <laughs> how disappointing must it have been for Hamilton to pull into Park Fermi in P1 start getting out of his car and look over and there's Max in P2 and you're like, where did you, how did you? (laughs) (laughs) That's really got to be a disappointment for Mercedes because they they should have taken more points off Red Bull. Well, it was, he started 19th, I think. Dead last. Okay, dead last. So he was 20. He had to be dead last because even even everybody else, um, he still had his, Three grid shot penalty yeah. from Monza, so he he was dead last. Right, yeah, what a drive. Um, and I mean, really, the rain is the reason he. I think top five was the best that they were shooting for, which is still a hell of a drive. Oh God. Um. But to to come in P two, that's I I I just don't I just don't see how Hamilton can win this world championship. Looking ahead. Something, something's up. I mean, Honda, they're just, they're, they're just, I think Red Bull's seeing that this is their chance and they're really going to capitalize mm-hmm. on it. And Max knows it too. This is, he will be the youngest. I mean, talk about the, li- we're about to talk about Hamilton's legacy, but Max is looking at his legacy. Right. I mean, he, we, let, let's not, rem- let's, let's remember that Max turned 24 this week. He turned 24 this was week. Was he driving at 18, I think? He was driving at 17. In, the, in, he, in Formula 1. He was in Formula 1 before he had a road license. <laughs> before he could drive a car on, on the road, road. That's right. He was driving a Formula 1 car. Oof. And he is doing extremely well. Mm. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, Hamilton just set a new record with a hun- at this race with 100 race wins. Let's, let's let that sink in. 100 race wins. In how many years is this now? I don't know. Of course, you're asking the question there. No, is it like 10? Longer than that. Um, Well, pretend I didn't ask it then. Well, uh, we'll get to there. But for some context, you think, uh, let's see, let's let's throw some, some iconic names out there. Everybody says Senna is one of the greatest drivers of all time, right? Mm-hmm. Granted, he did die. We, he didn't get to race as long, but he has forty-one wins. Yeah, I think. How? I think maybe he had probably raced half of his effective racing career, maybe at the time he had won that. But so that's still putting him behind. So you have. I mean, let's just throw some other iconic names out there: Nicky Lauder, Jackie Stewart. Nigel Mansell. You combine those three, yeah, and you have only two more wins than Hamilton <laughs> from three people. Right. I mean, it's 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 phenomenal. It's, it is it is. I mean, let's talk about Sebastian Vettel, another f- four-time world champion. He has fifty-three. Yeah, ha- just about half or a little over half of Hamilton. Prost yeah. fifty-one. Yeah. Fernando Alonso himself, 32 wins. Yeah. I mean, it is – I don't think that that – I mean, that is – and you can say, you know, okay, well, f- especially some of those older guys, Stuart Mansell, they didn't have as many uh, many races mm-hmm. chances. 
there were fewer races back fewer in that races era. back in that era i mean we are in an era where we are so blessed to have them. we went from 23 races this mm-hmm. season alone um but it's still undeniable that there are wins that he has next to his name 100 races yeah. 100 race wins um and i mean i think if you look at even the start percentage to between him and Schumacher he th- i i heard this on on um behind the glass um, Sam's podcast. They they actually looked up the numbers, but he I I don't remember them off the top of my head. But he does have a better race winning percentage than Schumacher. Still, yeah. Um, starts to it just to feels like to it's win. more significant. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, it's only. But let's also touch on the fact that it 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 finally came. He finally right. had his race win because his last win before this was Silverstone. And it, it kind of was like, oh, man, he's going for his 100th win again. Mm. And he can, he's still going Here for that 100th go. win. And Another jab. And, but nevertheless, he did get that race win. And he does have – he is the most winning Formula 1 driver in the history of the sport. Can't be taken away from him. And, I'm, I mean, the, the next person who even has a shot at it is is Max. Yeah. Um, well, um how many world championships does he have? Seven. Is that like more than anybody else? It's tied. Okay. So, I mean, you can't tell you can't tell me that if there is a way for Hamilton to win this world championship, he's yeah. going to. Yeah. If there's a way, I just don't know where. I don't know how. If Red Bull's faster, yeah, which they seemingly are, and we're coming into a series of of tracks that. Do suit the Red Bull chassis. Oh man, it's because ha- however much H- Hamilton wants his eighth world championship, Max wants to take it away from him. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, no doubt, and get his first. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's, that's equal. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's equally as impressive, but being the youngest ever world champion, I mean, he's lo- he, Max is working on his nice array of. of of being the youngest pole setter, youngest race winner, youngest fastest lap holder, youngest driver ever. Yeah, to start world champion. I mean, there are all some very impressive things right well, there. But I mean, he's isn't he the youngest ever to yeah at the time he joined Formula One yeah by a significant amount. So um, there's a lot of them, but I think he is. But I mean, it's uh, I mean he's setting up a legacy himself. And he wants to undoubted and undoubted that he's going. I I mean, this is so cool. Like, I don't think we've ever. Other than I think when Hamilton was going for his world champions being the rookie. But definitely you've never had you've never had this drama because no one's ever like him. No one like Hamilton has existed other than Schumacher. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so to the the drama of this season, I I don't know how this can't go down as one of the best seasons of all time. And there's still six races. There's still who six kn- races. Who knows what's going to go down? Um, why? Why is Williams doing what they are? Why McLaren? Where is that coming from? Something is up, and you wonder if um, are they just that good in their upgrades, or is Merck lagging lagging behind and not allowing? Um, I mean, allowing the uh, even some of the uh, upper mid level teams to start to contend for wins so let's let's well we're getting into us the 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 section in the way that i wanted to close out the podcast anyways is i kind of think of what we've kind of been doing lately anyways is kind of a news or update ending because um but just to just to um recap the current drivers and constructors standings um, I'll just run through the top 10 driver standings. You have Lewis Hamilton with 246, Max Verstappen with 244, and then a significant point gap mm-hmm. <laughs> down to third place. Valtteri's hanging on to his third place in the constructors with 151. So almost 100 points difference between the Yeah. Th- However, end of season championship standings translate to many many dollars 
even though for constructors you know, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. So and then Norris is in third. I do you think do you think Norris can pass Botas and take third at the end? He's at one thirty nine. Botas is at one fifty one. Based on what I we've don't been know. seeing, I don't know. I'd love to see it. I mean, it's uh, like my two favorite, or yeah. like some of my favorites, fighting for each other. So I'm yeah, it's. Um, I, I can just hardly wait to watch it race to race. And then Perez is in fifth. Carlos Sainz is in sixth. Leclerc is in seventh. Uh, eighth is Ricardo. Ninth is Gasly, and tenth is Fernando Alonso. So. Uh, that's cool. What's going to happen at Ferrari if Science finishes the season ahead of Leclerc? There's another tier of drama. Yeah, talk about Because, I mean, th- over the last couple of races, Science is doing better than Leclerc. Yeah. He's out-qualifying him, mm-hmm. and he's out-racing him. Yeah, no doubt. Can we see... Can we? Could we see a changing of the, of the, st- of the standings in the Ferrari garage? I don't know. Oh man, that's they cool get, too. They get pretty emotional over there. <laughs> okay, and there is a bit of a bigger gap in the constructor standings. Um, Mer- Mercedes is still holding the lead. Um, they have uh, 397.5 points to Red Bull's 364 points. Um, let's do some quick maths there. Seven three sixty four. Great podcasting commentary right now. Mm. Thirty three points separate them in the constructors, and only two separate them in the drivers. Drivers. Yeah. So to round out the top, I'll just do the top five because there's only ten teams. Um, Mercedes one, Red Bull two, McLaren three, mm. two hundred and thirty four to Ferraris. 216 then alpine alpine with 103 as rounding out the top five that's great that's a great finish for for them too if they can hang on to that fifth place yeah um your gut mclaren or ferrari who's going to take third mclaren i think i think so too unless unless something really happens but i think both I mean, we we didn't even touch on how great of a race Ricardo had. I mean, another. Yeah. I mean, talk about a return to form. He has been a new yeah. driver since the break. I mean, he got his win. He's coming in fourth. There, he is definitely locked into something well, in that car. And he, well, and he's McLaren maybe starting to really catch up technology wise to where their uh, equipment is just coming down too. So you put a good driver in a good car. That means something. I which oh man, I would love he ne- he can't not be a world champion. He can't. He's the greatest. He just I, I just want to see it too. He's just a good guy, you know, like that that's before that I scratch what I said earlier in the podcast. I would ne- I'd I'd rather see Ricardo get a world champion than Alonso get a third one. Screw that. Yeah. Totally agree. I cannot I don't want to exist in a world where Daniel Ricardo doesn't have a world championship and Fernando Alonso has three. I just don't want it. I don't want it. Seems way out of out of form. Out of balance. Out of whack. Yeah. Um, okay, but speaking of good cars and advancements in technology, brings me on to some other news that I want to talk about. I, I did think that we covered all the driver swaps last podcast, but just in case they are confirmed, the only one that still isn't confirmed is Giovinazzi. But we do have um, Botas is leaving for Alfa Romero. Um, George is taking his spot at Mercedes. Albon is being ba- is getting put back in a driving seat, and he's going to take the Williams seat. Um, I think that's all of it, right? Oh, oh, and and uh, Raikkonen is retiring. To free up the spot um, at Alpha at Alpha Romero, and there's still a a, a, a mystery if Giovinazzi is going to retain his seat or not. But there's there hasn't been any new news on that. Um. So the other news that I wanted to talk about is that is is pretty exciting. Is potential new manufacturers joining the sport? 
and how likely that is to happen. There was a meeting at uh, Monza where they had a manufacturer meeting, and there's a there's a there's this it's a it's a conglomerate of manufacturers that maybe you've heard about because they're just the world's largest Volkswagen <laughs> has expressed interest in potentially joining the sport the sport of Formula One. One of the big hangups to I mean, as as we touched on, I think in episode one of this podcast was it's incredibly expensive to join and to create a Formula One team, and one of the biggest costs is engine manufacturing, um, and that's the reason why there is only currently four engine manufacturers. We have Mercedes, Honda, but they're leaving. Red Bull's trying to become their own proprietary become a works team for the first time ever. Um, Renault and Ferrari. Is that, did I say that right? McLaren, Honda, Renault, Ferrari. Mm -hmm. Those are the four. No, McLaren has Merck. Oh, sorry. Uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, yeah. Renault, Honda. Four. Yeah. We're losing Honda, to hopefully gain. to gain Red Bull. Um, Red Bull, Red Bull v. Dubs. And that's well. That's the that's the drama. But one of so these are incredibly high tech power units, is what they're called. They don't call them engines anymore. They're called power units because you have a hybrid technology. You have the battery deployment, then you have two forms of energy c capture, MGUH and MGUK. MGUK takes like kinetic energy. Um, it's similar to what's in road cars where under braking you can charge batteries back up. MGUH is significantly more advanced where it, it's taking heat and energy out of the exhaust system and it's using some of it to store and charge battery and also some of it to spool the turbos, which also the batteries can fill that, that torque vector, that... Um, Torque fill is what a lot of what they call it, where turbos take some that lag of a turbo. yeah turbo lag. So so apparently, I mean, there is just no lag. I mean, of any car, I mean, there would be a, of a Formula One car has no turbo lag. But that that system is is was the sticking point for a lot of other manufacturers that not wanting to join this sport is that that's so because if you didn't know the reason that I'm, why w uh, the main reason that you want to be a manufacturer branding on a Formula One car um, is to sell road cars or to have technology to put into your road cars to make them more desirable, to work better, to be a better thing to use in the future. We saw that with regenerative braking. We saw that with a lot of safety structure features. We saw that with so many things. But there, there is no... Apparently, it is very, very not cost-effective to implement this MGUH technology into road cars. Apparently, Mercedes saying that they will, they hope to put it in their AMG product cars once the V8 leaves their cars um, as some sort of this cool technology, this Formula One technology that you can have in your brand new a AMG car. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but... Other, you know, Honda, I think that's why Honda's leaving the sport is that they're going to focus on fully electric cars anyways, that they don't, they can't see this power, that they don't see the, the, the translate for spending all of this money. But if you alleviate that, which they have announced, Formula One has announced that they are dropping the MGUH portion of the power unit moving forward on when the new engines are set to drop. And so a lot of people are saying that that could mean not only a VW partnership maybe with Red Bull or some other team, but two new, potentially up to two new manufacturers joining the sport, both Audi and Porsche, or Porsche, um, are ta have talked or expressed interest. They were at a meeting, that meeting in Monza with, with Formula One mm -hmm. as potential new engine suppliers for the sport. Which so cool? I would love. I mean, that would be so cool to see more, at more attempts at new engines, more people trying to crack 
because like we said too is that it's not like um there's just a regulations that you can't exceed and that is one of the cool things about the sport is and really cool uh is that um especially with someone like mclaren who when people there seems to be this way of uh getting ahead of myself sorry the cool thing about f1 is that there is a set of rules that you just can't break but you can design your car any way you want as long as you're not breaking these guidelines Mm -hmm. it's not like you have to make an engine like this it's you can't make an engine like this and so to see more people's attempts at solving the puzzle that is well i have to have about a thousand horsepower i have to be about this heavy i I, but i can't use this thing i love it'd be cool to see a car company that i respect a lot like porsche take a crack at that yeah and uh so yeah that's that's the other big news is that that portion of the engine is going to be dropped to hopefully open up and make a new some Free up some because it's making it more affordable. It would make it yeah. significantly, I guess, from my from my research that that yeah. is a, it's a huge expenditure, and and I mean, like entering any form of motorsport, even if you're talking about GT three cars, or something, it's a, which all of the, uh, so many more manufacturers get into motorsport there. I mean, Porsche is dominant in Le Mans. They have been incredibly dominant in Le Mans, so you know that they can build a race car, but it's like that next level step walking into formula one mm-hmm. you know that it's such an expenditure to yeah. come into that sport and hopefully i think that's also one of the things that um with cost caps with you know like is to entice fresh blood into the sport what do you think what do i you i w- i agree i agree with you i mean when when was audi or they were known as auto union back was that the 30s and the 40s that Boy, they raced? So it's been a long time s- since they've been in it. And it Porsche only had a dabbling in Formula One, if ever. I, I've, I've never I've seen a I kind of vaguely before. remember early on, um, 50s, maybe 60s, they may have had a team or two. But yeah. And then Maserati had a team in the well, 50s. They only had one year, though. Yeah, but they just so happened to win <laughs> championship in that one year. I think that was a hey Enzo. <laughs> uh yeah. So I think that would be significantly cool to see some new teams. I mean it it's yeah. been so cool to see, you know, Alfa Romero, Aston Martin. Yeah. Um I, I heard that uh they made a in um speaking of selling cars based on Formula One, they made in Australian markets there's the Daniel Ricardo edition of the McLaren 720S. <laughs> so they made a – I think it's only for Australian market, but uh, uh. I forget. It, I think it was um, it was uh, behind the glass. They said, I did have a, a desire to go buy a McLaren after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it seems like um, it made it a little bit more of a desirable uh, – Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think I have – Boy, just what a what a fascinating time! What do we have next? What's the next trip? Where we're going next is, um, uh, yeah. Boy, we're really prepared. We're, Sorry. we're talking. Yeah, this is football season. And oh God, don't even. This is not. Don't ever say that like word that. again on this podcast. Okay. Nobody, nobody cares about football. Only Formula One. Yeah. Well, you had the girlfriend. I guess. I tried to get you the girlfriend, but. It um, Turkey. We have Turkey oh. on the eighth, so next week, this week, and then we have um the United States, and then we have Mexico, Brazil. Oh, that's the other uh, news that I wanted to bring up. Thanks. I'm glad I respond. Uh, Qatar was added. Aye, aye. So I, I don't. I've never. That's not. That's not a racetrack. Um, is it a street course? Then? No, no. I mean, it is. I'm saying oh. that's not a, a racetrack I've ever seen a Formula One car go around. No. Um, but I did see something about it's a short track. It's going to be a sub one minute lap. Really? Yeah. Um. And then. So is it? Is it a turny technical? I think thing? it's a small. It's kind of. 
it's like uh like when they do what was that um Bahrain's what what would they oh. do last year the outer ring of the Bahrain s- circumference mm-hmm. I think that was it's very similar to that it's kind of oh. or like a Brazili it's there's not really a straight it's very right so so again so quite a bit more technical plays in and and plays into breaks I think I I think the uh, United States and Mexico both maybe could have uh, be a, a some interesting race tracks that we have to have to both have quite a long straight on them. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, Mexico has the longest of the entire calendar, and and uh, the Circuit of the Americas is is not much shorter. But mm-hmm. that boy, I'm just so excited! I can't wait. It's like every every time I think like like there's got to be a dud race, right? right. <laughs> but <laughs> but every time we come back, it's like oh my god! Like I thought I was just ready to tune out Russia, but then yeah. Every, at every turn, we're like, I mean, I guess our dud race was Spa. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're just. It was dead. Just wasn't one. It didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it was a toy. It was. It was. In a uh, joke, a farce. It was a, yeah. It was just. And then, I don't know, uh, and then we still have Saudi Arabia is still on the, the calendar, too. But I don't know if you've seen pictures of the racetrack. I have not. But it is non-existent in certain places still. Like they're building it still, and we're several weeks away. Um, so here's really? the yeah, here's the hoping that that I mean it's still it's on the calendar. So they're they're thinking. I mean it's it's gonna happen. Um, the o- the only other thing um, that I was gonna maybe talk to you about, but you'll have to is the Schumacher documentary that aired. Yeah, I heard about it. I haven't seen it. But from my personal opinion, I mean, do what you will, like but I think you could you could skip it. Like I I I thought it was a very un it really painted him in a bad light, to be honest. Really? Um huh. like it there was a whole bunch of you know, like it was <laughs> they pretty much blamed him for killing Senna almost. Not really, but like they're like Senna knew he had to get in front of Schumacher, uh-huh. he had, and then he crashed oh. and he died, you know. And so he's a good driver, and that's why. And then, <laughs> and then it was, uh, yeah. the only way he wins world champions is by crashing people. <laughs> um, oh, and he w- he came in, he w- got his big jump in the traction control age. They didn't touch on that at all. Where they didn't. They didn't mention anything of that. They 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 glossed over the fact that he's a seven time world champion. Yeah, I mean it was just like, and then he won a bunch of times. Like there was this whole this drama of like, he was a really lucky to ever get a seat in Formula One because he came from touring cars and got a seat in Formula One, but then won, and then was set to win at Benetton. He could have just stayed at Benetton and won and won and won, but he's this isn't challenging enough for me. And once the challenge is gone, I'm not interested. And they went to he went to Ferrari and he almost lost the seat of Ferrari because it was four years of him not winning the mm-hmm. world championship at Ferrari. I don't know it. I mean, it was it was interesting to see some stuff that I didn't I hadn't seen because I wasn't into the sport then. But I really wanted more of an in depth dive into the 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 legend of Schumacher. Right. Like like he is up until Hamilton, no one was even close. Right. And well, him and Hamilton are, chi- are tied. Yeah, the world cha- I mean, come on. And uh, but and the the thing that I think that it did go into that was cool and that that was different to um, there is a is is a difference in him and Hamilton is how hard he was willing to work to get there and these this unrelenting. Like he was doing test days, 12, 14 hour test days in the car. And just mm-hmm. like he was the first guy to take take the physicality of the sport seriously mm. and, and develop a fitness regimen that forced everybody else to be on that. But there was, it was still a trip to see like, the, like uh, him smoking cigarettes and cigars and stuff, <laughs> like, and like partying like outside of like the sport. Like it's like you just don't, you wouldn't right. associate this like world champion with like, but I mean, 
and uh, I mean, you can just see the difference that him and his brother. I mean, Ralph was a race winner as well, and yeah. was a good Formula One driver. But what there was something otherworldly about Schumacher and mm-hmm. his work ethic to just no, we're going to be here till we get this. Yeah, and I think, and I wish they would have kind of touched on that because I I did. There was a, a podcast that I heard where they where the Mercedes guys talked about when he came to Mercedes and that he kind of set up the foundation at at Mercedes to to be this dominant organization mm. that they become because lest lest you not forget that he was a Mercedes him and Rosberg were Mercedes drivers mm-hmm. and there was that you know Hamilton came to that and right. kind of took that back up and carried on with it but so it was good in the respect that. Pointed out it his it did dedication show and passion. His work ethic, like yeah. I, n- I think Hamilton, there's an there is an inherent, just subhuman ability in him. Not saying Hamilton doesn't work hard, but I mean, right after you know he subhuman, you mean like or I mean extra human. extra human. Sorry, <laughs> I mean he, I think he has an an inherent, just skill at driving. Like he is. Just so good, yeah. And not saying that he doesn't work hard, but he's also he right after winning a race, he flies to go to the Met Gala. You know, he's he's got a fashion brand and he's got all this other stuff that he's going for. And anytime Schumacher wasn't in a car, he was just with his family. He was or working, just straight working at making the car better. So that would be an interesting. I don't know. Bit you to, to take. I, I'd love see, to but, see it, and we can talk about it. But overall, you thought it was intellectually dishonest. I, just, I well, no, I just no, I just I just didn't think it. It didn't show me enough of what I wanted to see. I, like they kept, I just kept. Well, first of all, I kept falling asleep to it, which should have been a telltale sign of it that like that yeah. I couldn't get through it. I wasn't enthralled enough, because I remember you and I went and saw the Senate documentary in theaters, and it was just like, Whoa. it was so cool. It it was just it's over already. <laughs> Yeah, and like, more. and this was just kind of like, oh, he's this and then. So it maybe it was more for, and he only wins by crashing, and he's so ruthless yeah. and so like, um. See that? See that would be, to me, that's intellectually dishonest. I don't know. It. I mean, I mean, it's true. That's what you base your, is that what you're trying to get butts in the seats kind of thing? I don't so know. So was it more of a marketing thing? It's Schumacher. But really, it wasn't. I that. feel like it was. I feel like it was just like, how do we not have a documentary out about the the most winning person in the sport ever, ever? Well, not now. Well, second most now. Yeah, but in his time. Yeah, uh, and and then I also thought that they were. I was really excited to watch it because I thought they would give us an update on his condition. But there, yeah. spoiler alert: there is no update on his condition. Which and we're not entitled to that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not a public figure anymore. Well, just he is a public figure. We don't, yeah. Who unless they want us to know those things. Um, but I mean, uh, maybe there is a little bit of a letdown though because he is such a figure that you do want to know how he's doing. But I mean, I think you can. Everybody knows he's. Well, that was he's not there. Yeah, I mean, there was an insight when they interviewed Mick, which was which was pretty heart wrenching to see that he said. I wish I could talk to my dad. Yeah. I have something. I have. We have so much more in common than yeah. We talk, talk about. And so you know he can't communicate right. in a which conventional is really setting. Which is really sad. Um, and I think it's kind of sad for the sport because I would love to hear him weigh in on this era. Yeah, I would love to hear. I, I would love. I, mean, I don't know, but I don't know. It's it's, it's not. It's not a curiosity for curiosity's sake. It's a curiosity for. Golly, he yeah. was a household name. Yeah, I mean, well, nobody doesn't know that name. Sorry, especially in Europe, if you're if sure, you're yeah. if you're at all into to sporting Anything. sports. I mean, at one point in time, he was the highest paid athlete in the world. world. Yeah, and I mean, you couldn't ignore it, even here. You yeah. know, and um, I mean, there's, I mean, you just to get take the good, the bad, and the ugly about it. But but maybe you know, that's why I'm so bummed about it is that he is, he is such this iconic figure, and I. I don't think the documentary lived up to just him, period. Yeah. Like, I don't think I really learned anything about him that I couldn't have just Googled. Yeah. And I feel like that's what documentaries are supposed to do is just be this amazing insight to this person. Like, I think of, especially maybe I'm just also comparing it to, like, 
sporting documentaries that have come out of late. Like, I don't know if you saw the Michael Jordan one, The Last Dance, but it was just one of the best documentary mm-hmm. things or, or series of all time, period. It was just so great. I don't care at all about basketball, but I couldn't wait for the next episode. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, or just e- shoot, even comparing it to um, the F1 one about the beyond, behind the grid, beyond the grid. Yeah. It's so much better than than that. And oh I feel yeah. like you had such a with the, the, the amount of of uh footage and stuff and, and and stories yeah. and that there is about like and you make this, I was just I was just disappointed. Yeah. Don't let me ruin it. Go and watch it for yourself. I'd love I mean comment or something on Instagram or whatever if you liked it. Um but uh yeah, I was left disappointed. I mean yeah, but I'm not. I was not left. Let's bring it back. I was not left disappointed by the exciting and thrilling end to the Russian Grand Prix that we had. The only thing I was disappointed by was that the winner wasn't Norris. Yeah. Um. But it's coming. It's got to come. I want to see it happen yeah. before the end of the season. There's a lot of lessons learned there. Oh yeah. That. So. Um. Oh well. Yeah. And so that experience is not going to go far away. I would think. It'll make him better. Oh, I but mean, uh, unfortunately, he you got to lose some. Uh, you got to lose some to win him yeah. later on. Well, yeah, and uh, but again, you w- you talked about stepping back from the picture window and getting the the full panorama of reality and form. If anything, one. it's got to galvanize a, a a a plan for that situation yeah. in the future. Oh yeah, that like no, whoever has the best knowledge makes the call. Whoever has yeah. the highest, like, and that's, I mean, we talked about this earlier, but if it's, if it's track conditions, driver makes the call. If it's advancing weather, the pit's got to make the call. Like you yeah. said, he can't, he's, he's not reading red. They don't have radar on the steering wheel column, right. you know, like <laughs> he can't see that. He can't make that call and you shouldn't be putting it on him. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, now we talk about how young drivers, you know, Lewis to this day still has some distrust with. He, I mean, but, but that's early but again, on, that's man. He didn't trust anybody, and then you know, I think it cost him some. Well, I, I mean, we didn't talk about this earlier, but they both did ignore mm-hmm. Pitt to come into the pit in the first time. Like they, they were like Pitt, and he's like, "Nope, we're staying out." <laughs> and then it came around the second time, and they're like, "You get that car in this group in this pit box now." Yeah, and I think that's what um, needs to be. They, Mer- McLaren, maybe they need that. Maybe that's what they'll learn from that. But they have such a history, you know, and they know, you know. I but I, I mean, I'm that's the thing is, like, if it was a Norris distrust, and there's no way. But th- well, not on radio that we heard. Yeah, not and I yeah. feel like it would have come out if it was, and yeah. and or he would have said something. But I feel like the good thing about it is that they are taking the loss as a team. He didn't come out. He didn't throw the team under the bus. They yeah. didn't throw him under the bus. I mean, yeah. it hurts enough, but right. when you win as a team, you lose as a team. That's right. You know, and um, hopefully we'll see them win as a team again. Yeah, let's see what Turkey brings. Boy. Well, thanks, Dad. Thanks for being here in person. Oh, thanks, yeah, everybody, again good. for always good. for listening. Um, I just love doing this so much. Um, thanks, everybody out there. Thank you. And we'll see you after after Turkey. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye.